Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined here by Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and House MD. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a jam-packed show for you today because there is absolutely nothing going on in the NFL. There's absolutely nothing going on in the world of the Miami Dolphins. And when I say jam-packed show, I mean absolutely not jam-packed. And we're going to be live here with you, not live at all. We're going to be here with you for the next 30, 35 minutes or so talking about a slew of things, such as a 4th of July recap, the white jerseys, throwbacks possibly coming in 2019, Julian Edelman, a new penalty in the NFL that may cause some people to raise their eyebrows, especially if you go back to 1982. We're going to do some fantasy football previewing, and we're going to answer your questions from the Finsider Radio mailbag. But first, House and Certain, welcome to Finsider Radio. Thank you for joining us. And how was your 4th of July? Dude, my 4th of July sucked. I think I made a frozen pizza. I was getting oh, ready to go out. I, I went to the way store. Just, I got, way to just ruin all the excitement. I tried so hard to build up this excitement for this show. Yeah, you, you, absolutely sounded like, killed you, it. you sounded like you were on speed or like a auctioneer or something. But I went to the store. I got all this good stuff. <laughs> go out and grill. And right before I went out to grill, it started a freaking thunderstorm. So I'm like, you know what? Oh, no. I got this frozen like Red Baron or some pizza in the freezer. I'm going to make it and I'm going to eat it. So I put some sriracha on it and I ate it. So 
didn't really watch fireworks. Very un-American. I think I did watch the hot dog eating contest, which for whatever reason took place at noon and only aired on ESPN at 12.45. So that's just another reason why ESPN sucks. Uh, Joey Chestnut once again won. But overall, very, very unexciting 4th of July for me. How about you, son? I mean, I don't know how many hot dogs Joey Chestnut ate, but I would put my five-year-old and my three-year-old right up there with them with how many hot dogs they ate. Because as soon as we got the campfire started, man, a, a pack of hot dogs was gone in five minutes probably. And I was actually hoping to enjoy one of them, uh, but those uh, little scavengers were able to get most of them to themselves. Uh, I had a pretty good time though. And my 4th of July was pretty much just as fun as all of yours. Uh, my kid, my son, my 10-month-old scratched his retina. So we were in the urgent care center most of the evening. We didn't do any fireworks. We have this, like talked about last week, we have a big, big fireworks show in our city or my former city where I grew up in. And with a 10-month-old and a 4-year-old, we were not going to sit in traffic and deal with all that at 1030 at night. So we skipped it up. We went home, did some sparklers. I think we all of us pass out at like 930 and it just sucks getting old because you cannot take the heat anymore and you're in bed by like 930. I mean, don't get old. It sucks. Just don't get old. And really the 4th of July, I think fireworks are a bit overrated. Don't at me. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm 31 now. I had my uh, daughter. She's eight months old and you used to like fireworks until you hear these damn things going off at nine, 10 at night. And you're just like, if this wakes my daughter up, I'm going to just go outside. And I'm just going to like Hulk Hogan, big boot leg drop somebody. But I mean, they're overrated. They piss off dogs. They piss off me. They obviously make you upset. So <laughs> they piss off dogs. <laughs> I'm just imagining. Uh, Isn't that like, like a real thing? Like, don't dogs get like anxiety? Oh, oh yeah. Have, Man, you yeah seen all the, have you seen a few tweets that have come out um, where dogs have run away because of the fireworks the other night? Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, and, it's not. It's not exciting. And the image that I had was MC Money falling asleep about 8.30 before our podcast starts and getting star- <laughs> get, getting startled by some fireworks coming on, like Clint yeah. Eastwood, like, get off my lawn, you sons of bitches. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> How much coffee have you drank since you, you know, you, you told us you passed out before the podcast a little bit. I then. did pass out before how the much coffee? Today. How much coffee have you had? Because, dude, you sound like you're on speed. Yeah, I've had uh, one cup of coffee so far. It's I- ironic that you don't like fireworks when you're just basically a spectacle of fireworks yourself there. Yeah, yeah, no. You know, it's all good. But we're going to move on because the 4th of July is over and, and we're done. So we're going to go on to the white jerseys. And the white jerseys are something incredible. So the white jerseys with the Miami Dolphins, Tom Garfinkel tweeted out early June, and a lot of us missed it. And someone by the Twitter name of Young Mayo, I think it's Y-U-N-G-M-A-Y-O, does some great editing with graphics and uniforms and such. And he edited the Miami Dolphins throwback to a white throwback and said, wouldn't it be great or something of this nature to have this as a, as an alternate. And someone had um, mentioned it to Tom Garfinkel a while back when they were talking to Randy McMichael and Randy McMichael was talking about his Thanksgiving day game. We all remember that we had Randy on the show talking about that quite a while ago. And Tom Garfinkel at that time had said that they are coming out with a new rule in 2019 that allows teams to add a second alternate uniform to the mix. And he said that they are working on it and that the white jersey seems to be part of that mix, the white throwback with the orange lettering and so forth. And those look sweet. Um, We all know how great the um, 
aqua, green, whatever you may call them, throwbacks are now. And then you add the white throwbacks in the mix. And I think it is absolutely incredible that the Dolphins are doing this. And we're going to talk, I think, a little bit about why or why not they should or should not go to these uniforms full time. But I just want to get your thoughts first on these white uniforms. I think it's going to be a great addition. I know sometimes even when I'm playing Madden, I'll throw back the old throwbacks. They have the white option for there. And I always pick that option when I decide to do the throwback game. Um, I think they're incredible. They're great uniforms, and I would totally buy one right away. Yeah, I agree. I think the more they incorporate some of the more historical uniforms, the better it is really for everybody. Um, you get more jersey sales. I, I, I would imagine that you get some more some more dollars in people's pockets in that in that realm. But just more nostalgic. It connects people. I, I'm all for it. The more throwbacks we can get in our life, the better. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I keep picturing, uh, I think it was Ricky Williams stiff arm and someone in those jerseys. I mean, they were just so slick. And then you sit here and you think about what the Dolphins are doing this year and years past. I mean, they wear those white jerseys at home. It seems to give them a little slight advantage. I mean, that South Florida heat. I mean, anyone that's been down there knows it's freaking brutal. So when you're out there wearing all white and your opponents are in their dark jerseys, it tends to give you some type of advantage. So, I mean, uh, most of those games at home, that's when they might be rocking those throwbacks. So why not throw in that white throwback? Like Sutton said, get some more money out of us fans because, I mean, you bet your ass as soon as that jersey gets released, I'll go out there, I'll buy a, you know, whatever, a Raekwon McMillan, a Kenyon Drake, whatever it may be, and tons of other fans will do the same. So uh, I think it's something the team definitely needs to look into. I know we're going to touch on whether or not this should be their, you know, full-time uniforms. But uh, overall, I love the idea of the white jersey, and I think it will give that competitive advantage at home like, uh, you know, they currently do with those white jerseys at home. So we hear a lot of fans talking about, A, they should do this full-time. They should go to these uniforms full-time. And I am against that. And I, I'm against that because I think when you have something like these throwback uniforms that come out just twice a year, possibly three times a year starting in 2019 or whatever, you you have that sense of novelty. You have that sense of, okay, this is special. This is something that they're doing. This is something that's unique. This is something different than the regular versions of the jersey. Now, I mean, you just look around the NFL, right? And you talk about teams that come out with great uniforms. You look at all these different sports and talk about teams that have great uniforms. And I don't think there's really any team that has sustained the tradition of having a great uniform that withstands time, if you know what I mean there. I mean, I think if you went to these throwbacks full time, I think after a year or two, it would just become, okay, this is just a normal part of the uniform. It's not really exciting. Yeah, the uniforms look good, but what kind of tweaks can they make three, four, five years down the road? I think them keeping them in the rotation in terms of coming out two or three times a year, one, makes great business sense because it gets fans excited. It gets fans hyped up. It sells more jerseys. Um, it gets people in the seats more for these throwback games. It gets everyone watching and get everyone, get everyone hyped up. Again, if you went that to the normal rotation, I'm not so sure that would be a good thing, but I'm interested to see if you guys have any different thoughts on that. Personally, I mean, I uh, I completely agree with you. I think it's, you know, something that's kind of nostalgic and you see these throwbacks come out. But at the end of the day, for me, I remember when the Dolphins went from that sick logo that they have are kind of a throwback. I mean, you see the Dolphins shift a little bit throughout the years, but ultimately it was that nice – what we consider the old school Dolphins logo. And then it went to that cartoonish Jimmy Johnson era uh, logo. And uh, that 
that logo right there is probably one of the worst logos in Dolphins history. So for me, I mean, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, at the end of the day, the Dolphins, in my opinion, should never even change the logo. I mean, you see, again, the Dolphins shifted throughout the years, you know, 72, uh, 80-something, 90s. I mean, I'm looking at my hats right here. They kind of moved throughout the years, but at the end of the day, it was still that same Dolphin. And then they went to that cartoonish version. Uh, I think that was god-awful, terrible idea. I understand where they were going with it, new era, new coach. Uh, they ended up moving on, Marina retired, whatever. But that logo was terrible. It reminds me of just heartache and terrible Dolphin seasons. I do like this new logo. I like these new the new colors. I think what they did with the uniforms this year was awesome. But uh, at the end of the day, if they go back to those throwbacks, I think there's every Dolphin fan will be excited. It's something that, I mean, I grew up with, so maybe that's why I'm a little bit, you know, I have a little bit of favoritism towards them. But I think the colors, the the way those throwbacks look, if you're telling me the Dolphins are going to come out there week in and week out wearing that uniform, that helmet, those jerseys, whatever it may be, I'm going to be excited. So uh, I see where you're going with the once every, you know, two, three times a year. But uh, that's the Dolphin logo that I remember most. And as much as I like the current uniform, if they go back to that, I will be super, super excited. So you think then that people would not tire of, seeing the same uniform, that uniform week in and week out. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those uniforms are sweet, right? They're, they're really awesome. They're great. I love them. But don't you think that over time, it's just like, you know, I love pizza. You love pizza. We love chicken nuggets. We love French fries. We love drinking beers while watching a beer in the backyard. But if you do that every single day, day in and day out, you get sick of it. So that's just my fear that, three, four years on the road from now, they're going to be looking for something else to roll out to get fans excited. And, you know, I mean, if this team can like continues to be mediocre, maybe that's what we're going to start to, you know, relate those jerseys to. Uh, for me, I'm not so sure. I mean, you said pizza. I mean, do you eat pizza once a week? I think most people probably do. Yeah, uh, like once every two weeks. I had pizza once, tonight, actually. All right. So, so once every two weeks, I mean, that's pretty – pretty uh common and i think most people may may say they eat it once a week i mean that's just america but at the end of the day i mean i like these jerseys i, I do see what you're saying it become tiresome they might look to you know rebrand later down the road but i mean you got to look through the the uniforms that this team has had throughout history and you got to think that the throwbacks right now are some of the best in franchise history and that's a lot of years so i mean uh i can understand the nostalgia nostalgia of it i can understand you know wanting to make it special but at the end of the day, if this is what the fans want, I think I think if you put up a poll unanimously, I think it'd be 80, 90 percent of people would vote that they should go back to the throwbacks. I see what you're saying, but you look at teams like the 49ers, the Raiders. I'm trying to think of some other teams out there. I mean, they may have tweaked their their jerseys minor, but at the end of the day, it was the same logo. And you might say it's outdated, but it's still history. And I think that the Dolphins, uh, the throwback uniforms, that's the history. That's what teams want to remember this franchise by. Uh, get rid of that cartoon Jimmy Johnson Dolphin just erase that from history if you can but uh, I, I mean I do I, I'm one of the few who actually like the current logo I like the current jerseys especially the way they tweaked it but if you're going back to the throwbacks I'm 100% buying into that what about you son I mean like I said earlier as, as much as we can incorporate the throwback jerseys I'm for I understand Matthew's point though we don't want to oversaturate people's minds because you know it's one of those grasses always greener on the other side of the fence sort of thing so i think as long as we come up with some kind of balance i think that would be the most important thing but i think you'll 
am living in Cleveland and hearing what other people association with the Dolphins is, it's the uniforms. People love our uniforms. People that don't even like the Dolphins love our uniforms. So yeah. I think any way you can kind of massage that into, you know, you have to work, work within the framework of the rules of the NFL and how often you're allowed to wear these jerseys and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but as much as they can get the, the historical uniforms in there, I think they're going to be all for that. I get both your points and I think we'll agree to disagree on some of those things. I, but you know, son, with you talking about how people who don't even like the dolphins, like the jerseys, you know, people buy, I know I buy baseball hats because of the look of them. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan, but I'm, I don't have really one team to root for, except I don't root for the Red Sox, but I will buy hats because of the way they look. And Colin so Kaepernick buy, likes our hats. He does, yes. Um, don't get started Should've, on Should have been a quarterback last year. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Got me started. <laughs> don't get house riled up. But yeah, when you say that, you know, might, might get more fans to the Dolphins but because some people pick teams because of the uniforms, right? So who knows, but, but I still think it's, it's better to bring them out once or twice a year. One thing we can all get on the same page with is the suspension of Julian Edelman and performance enhancing drugs, illegal substances in his body, whatever it was, he is suspended for four games and his appeal is denied. So he will be suspended for those four games. And uh, coincidentally, the Miami Dolphins play the New England Patriots in week four. How, how do you see this playing out in terms of what the Dolphins may be able to pull off against the Patriots this early in the season without Julian Edelman? I mean, I wish I could lie to you and say that this was some, like, you know, earth-shattering thing where the Dolphins are easily going to destroy the Patriots, but I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, you see it time and time again, next man up for the Patriots. I believe they signed Jordan Matthews this offseason. He's one of those guys who I watched him progress from Philly. I think he went to – had a stint in Buffalo, didn't really do much. Uh, Jordan Matthews, he's a guy that has the skill set. He could be that man that, you know, steps into that that spot when a Thettleman out. You got our boy 7-Eleven, Chris Hogan. Uh, it's just time and time again with the freaking Patriots, man. I mean, no matter what happens, uh, we took one of Brady's favorite targets in Danny Amendola. But even with Edelman out, it's going to be a tough task. I think it makes things a little bit easier. But at the end of the day, it's Bill Belichick's way. Just, you know, he'll go out there. He'll sign some freaking CFL guy. Hell, we'll we'll drop Leontae Carew this offseason. We'll end up cutting him, and he'll go up there to, to New England and pull off some Randy Moss season with Tom Brady stuff. So. <laughs> I mean, Edelman, he's kind of up and down. He's a guy who, you know, I mean, he is Tom Brady's favorite target. And at the end of the day, I think it'll it'll definitely hurt the Patriots, but they're going to have someone ready to step up and, and fill that role. So uh, it is what it is. The Patriots throw me one hell of an opponent, and it's going to be a tough task. And something else that's indirectly related to the Patriots is a new rule with the NFL and so, and I'm going to have you just briefly talk about it. And then we'll kind of go back in time to 1982 when this rule actually could have came into play and would have benefited the Dolphins. But Sutton, what is the latest newest rule in the NFL? Yeah. So we saw this right before recording that there's going to be a 15 yard penalty for any team that, uh, that clear snow uh, for, for a field goal kickoff or punt. So, I don't, I don't think we were able to get really into the nuances, whether that means like as a punter, you're not allowed to clear snow from the spot that you're going to be standing so you can have a better planting surface. Or if, if we're talking about where the ball's uh, 
spotted for a field goal or if that also entails where uh, the holder is, I would imagine so. Um, so it looks like you're not going to be able to manipulate the, the playing surface whatsoever in terms of removing snow. And Matthew, you know, we're about to get into this, but about a month after I was born, a game between the Dolphins and Patriots involved some snow. One, you're old if you were born in 1982. And two, yes, you're absolutely <laughs> correct. 1982 was a shortened NFL season. So it was a late December game. And the Patriots were two and three going into this game against the Miami Dolphins. And they couldn't withstand another loss if they wanted to make it to the playoffs. And the Miami Dolphins that season, as you know, reached the Super Bowl in January, obviously lost. And that's all we're going to go with that. But uh, Schaefer Stadium, which was the former home of the New England Patriots, had an artificial turf field, was iced over by frozen rain. Shortly before that game started, a heavy blanket of snow came onto the field and, and covered the field. So, during the breaks and the actions, the officials and the NFL and the coaches agreed to allow a tractor equipped with a sweeper attached to it to clear the field at 10-yard intervals, uh, again, during those breaks in the action. So, here's the scene. There's four minutes, 45 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Score is 0-0. Zero to zero. Terrible conditions. And 1982, you're not really slinging the ball around as much as you do now. But the Patriots drove down to the Dolphins' 16-yard line facing fourth down. They had a chance to put three points on the board, and they ended up taking those three points. However, as the field goal unit came on, a man named Mark Henderson, who was a convicted burglar on work release from the nearby prison, Massachusetts Correctional Institute, Norfolk. Very important details right there. Go on. That is very important details. He came onto the field on the tractor and cleared off the area for where quarterback at that time, or holder at that time, sorry, Matt Cavanaugh would hold the ball for place kicker John Smith. Don Shula at the time threw a fit. Uh, his pleas to stop the play were disregarded by games officials. Ball was snapped, held in place. Smith kicked it through, 3-0 to zero Patriots, and that was the final score. Don Shula later said, I think it's the most unfair thing I've ever been associated with in coaching. It's the most unsportsmanlike act that I've ever been around. So... The Dolphins did end up playing the Patriots a few weeks later in the playoffs. They beat them 28-13, to 13, but the Patriots still hold on to this highlight. It is the John Deere 314 attractor. It's snow attachments hanging up in an exhibit in the team's museum. Now the Patriots play in Gillette Stadium, and we know the rest of the Patriots' history after that. But this rule, obviously, if it was there in 1982, wouldn't have affected the Dolphins' season per se but it would have eliminated the Patriots from the playoffs if the Dolphins had won that game. And who knows what would have happened if they had to kick in the snow. But, but anyways, just so, but it just, just goes so, back to that, you know? Well, and just so everyone knows, this type of play happened last year. So this is not yes. like the, the only time this has ever happened was 36 years ago. No, the, this happened last year, and I remember this game because I bet on it. It was a game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills, and it was in Buffalo. Crazy amount of snow. So really the only thing you could do was run the ball at this time. I mean, the, the wind was crazy. So it was a great day to bet on the under. But what ended up happening was that uh, Vinatieri kicked a, an extra point towards the end there to send the game into overtime. And, um, and that was the kick that, where they, they cleared a patch for him to kick. So this happened last year. So there's a reason that they're voting on this. 
I feel like this should be an episode of Law and Order. Like I feel like I'd watch that. But honestly, I mean, I if if it comes down to it, I'd throw just uh, you know, Kill Gore or Laramie Tunsil, just have him get down into a snow angel and clear the path for <laughs> Sanders as he boots in like a sixty yard field goal to beat the Pats. That's what I would do. Don't don't worry about the grounds crew. Just just get your lineman down there, do do a couple snow angels and well, that's what we were talking about before the show. Just have somebody pull a Neymar and fake an injury, and and that's just it. clear, just clear a little, just clear a little spot. That's all we need is just a little spot. You know, it's the off season when we're talking all over the place and nonsense. This entire show so far, uh, not that we're talking bad stuff. We're, we're talking very well on everything, but we're all over the place, and we appreciate you all staying with us. Uh, throughout this week, we will be back for a relaunch the week of July sixteenth. We have a very special guest. We'll probably uh, release that show on Friday morning, but following that, we're going to be moving to a new day. Not totally settled yet, but it's going to be earlier in the week. We've heard a lot of uh, feedback that says by the time our show comes out on Saturdays, which we've been doing this offseason, a lot of the news has already been discussed on other podcasts. So we're going to jump ahead of all those podcasts. We're going to come to you earlier in the week. We're going to have defined segments like we talked about last week. We're going to have a lot more information, a lot more special guests. And to kick things off for that first show, the week of July 16th, we have a very special guest that we're going to be bringing on. But let's move forward now. And something else that we're going to be talking about in the new relaunch of the show is having a fantasy football segment. And we're going to give you a little teaser, a little preview tonight. And House, you are a fantasy football guru. You are the king of fantasy football. You are the fantasy football of fantasy football. You are the man, the myth, the legend when it comes to drafting and playing a fantasy football season. And Houts, I'm just so glad we're here and graced by your presence when we talk about fantasy football because there is no one better than you. So please tell us, Houts, what is going on this year in fantasy football? All right. Well, first, thank you. That was one hell of an introduction. I think you're a little bit full of crap. I'm not some kind of fantasy god, but... You know, I do. I'm in about six to eight leagues. When you're in that many leagues, if you can't win one, there's a freaking problem. Uh, I think Sutton and I are going to talk about some of our likes, dislikes, Dolphin players. Uh, fantasy football, man. I mean, every year it's different. You know, running backs seem to be the, the thing this year in all the drafts I've been doing. I do a lot of best ball drafts, uh, different leagues. It seems like the running backs go hard and then it kind of fizzles out. Um, but overall, I mean, it's going to be one heck of a year. If anybody has fantasy leagues, they want any of us to join. I mean, I'm down on them about the rest of you. Uh, Sutton's Mr. You know, individual draft position guy. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, we're going to talk about our likes and dislikes for me. The first guy I'm going to talk about, and people might hate me, uh, hopefully not, but Sony Michelle. I mean, we all hate the New England Patriots. We talked about Julian Edelman earlier. We said how, you know, he's out for the first four games. Someone needs to step up. Uh, it's been a while since the New England Patriots have used a first-round pick on a running back. It was Maroney, maybe. I can't really remember. I don't really care that much about the Patriots. I hate them. But Sony Michelle, he's that man crush I have this year. He's that Christian McCaffrey. He's that guy that's going to go out there. You know, he's going to get 11, 12 yards or uh, 11, 12 points fantasy-wise on the ground. And he's going to turn around and get you 40, 50 yards through the air. PPR league, he's going to be a monster. So Sony Michelle's my my like. Uh, as for my dislike, I'm going to go with Mike Evans. We talked about it last week. We talked about Jameis Winston, the whole thing with him. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's a fine quarterback. I think the freaking Bucks beat us last year with Fitzpatrick, Mr. Neckbeard, 
uh, the second coming of Kyle Orton, whatever you want to call him. But Mike Evans, I mean, he's a guy who's he's going in that first, second round, and I just don't see it, especially if Jameis Winston's out longer than that four weeks. I hear some Bucks beat writers, you know, questioning whether or not Winston may ever be a Buccaneer again. So, I mean, uh, I'm going to stay away from Mike Evans like he's the plague. And then I'm going to talk about one Dolphins player I like, and that's Mike Jasicki. I see him going late in, in best ball drafts. He's going 11, 12, 13th round. He's a guy who I think is going to get all those red zone targets. He's a guy that you can, you know, kind of sit back, let everyone else take those Travis Kelsey's, those Rob Gronkowski's in the first three rounds, the Evan Ingram's, the Kyle Rudolph's in the mid rounds, and just kind of sit back with a big ass smile on your face. As long as people don't know you're a Dolphins fan, uh, which a lot of people tend to know that I'm a Dolphins fan in leagues I'm in, if they don't realize that you're a Dolphins fan, Mike Jasicki could go undrafted. I mean, it's crazy for us to think based on, you know, how important the tight end position is in Adam Gase's offense. We saw with uh, Jordan Cameron, you see with the Julius Thomases, the the Deion Sims, you see all these guys in, in Miami who kind of go out there and they became one of Ryan Tannehill's favorite targets. Uh, didn't quite do what you expect, but Mike Jasicki, he's got all the talent in the world. We all kind of hope he's our Rob Gronkowski. So he's one of those guys I'm going to target late and I'm going to uh, enjoy doing it because I think he's going to get all those red zone targets. I think whether or not he can block, I mean, keep hearing that, whether it be training camp, OTAs, whatever it may be. I don't care if he can block. Jimmy Graham can't block. I just want to see Mike Jasicki go out there and catch touchdowns. So, for me, my like, Sony Michelle, my dislike, Mike Evans, and the Dolphins player I'm going to target is Mike Jasicki. What about you guys? Well, there's a reason that Houts whores himself out there to people on Twitter to get into people's leagues is because he wants to take your money. So I, I know he's he's good at what he does. <laughs> and in terms of the Sony Michelle, you know, it's I get it, you know. And as we get deeper into our new sections and stuff, one thing you have to realize about us is that you have to be able to separate fantasy football from being a fan of the Miami Dolphins. So. Yes, you might need to draft Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski or some dude that you absolutely despise, but it might be the best decision for your fantasy football team. So, yeah, you might want to invest in Sony Michelle later. Um, my two guys that I'm kind of focusing on some guys, uh, wide receivers that are in the 20 to 30 range in terms of uh, just the wide receiver ranking. But one guy that I'm higher on than than some of the experts are is, is Juju Smith-Schuster. And A, because obviously they have two of the premier uh, offensive players on their team in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And it's still going to be a prolific offense. And Ben Roethlisberger has shown time and time again that he's willing to work that second target if it's there. So I, I look strongly for opposing defenses. and. Of course, what would you do? Would you uh, just go one-on-one -on -one with Antonio Brown all day? No, you have to bracket him or provide some kind of second coverage for him. So I think that's only going to influence uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's volume. Uh, you don't have Martavis Bryant there anymore, so I think he's stepping into a really good spot. And then one guy I'm down on, and it's not anything from what's being said in the media about him trying to uh, backpedal on what he said about Ryan Tannehill and stuff, but Jarvis Landry uh, up here in Cleveland. I don't like him as a, uh, a, a, a tier two wide receiver. I think he's more of a tier three, maybe even a wide receiver four. 
and for nothing else but looking at that offensive picture just in the big picture you're looking at david and joku at tight end you have josh gordon you have Corey coleman that they invested a first rounder in you have some pass catching running backs you have the tyrod versus baker mayfield quarterback dilemma so it's going to be interesting to see how that offense plays out but it looks like the love is going to be kind of spread around so Jarvis was always plentiful in, in fantasy football because of volume. And if you're in a PPR league, uh, you know that because he was able to get you points from getting lots of catches. And last year, you, you saw the touchdowns. I don't think you can expect the same touchdowns. And anybody that's played fantasy football for a while knows that touchdown especially with wide receivers, is a notoriously volatile statistic. So you cannot bank on him getting the same amount of touchdowns that he got in 2017. So I'm looking for more of a downer year for Jarvis Landry as he gets acclimated in that new offense. And then the Dolphin that I'm looking for, and this might surprise you just because not many people play in an IDP league, and that's an individual defensive player league. And I'm looking at Rashad Jones, and he's criminally underrated every year. He's always one of the top three safeties, if not the very top one, because uh, production-wise, he just he covers all the bases. He gets sacks, interceptions, forced fumbles. He scores touchdowns. He gets lots of tackles because of uh, Minka being there. You could be a little bit more worried about that, but I think the – the stats are still going to be pretty stellar on Rashad's part. Perhaps uh, Minka's presence even lets him be a little bit more aggressive. So maybe that ends up working in his benefit. But Rashad Jones, if you're in an IDP league, definitely snatch him up. Lots of different factors with fantasy football, lots of different methods that people use, lots of different strategies that people use. And we will be ramping that up as we head into the prime of drafting season in late July, early August, late August, which is when I do my fantasy drafts. And you can be sure to get all the latest news and information on Finsider Radio every week in relation to fantasy football, as that will be one of our defined segments moving forward once we hit with the relaunch. Before we head over to the mailbag, just wanted to mention one thing about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald released an article on July 6th in the afternoon, and basically a lot of chatter about Ryan Tannehill around the organization and outside the organization. And Mark Duper, Dolphins' great former wide receiver, said this about Ryan Tannehill. He said, we always say Ryan Tannehill has a lot of potential, but there's always something wrong with him. I still don't know how good he is. This year is do or die for him. He needs to stay healthy and perform where there's going to be trouble in paradise. Dan Marino likes him. And so I think, you know, that last part is important. Dan Marino likes him. I think, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history is not the greatest quarterback in NFL history. If you that guy sees something similar or sees traits that he likes, I think that has some, um, some weight to stand on. And we've talked about Ryan Tannehill ad nauseum. We're not going to do it again tonight. But if he stays healthy, I do think he can have a breakout year under Adam Gase. All right, let's head on over to the Finsider Radio mailbag. A lot of questions coming in on Twitter. We're going to start off right away with our boy, Rob Carew. All right, Rob put about 25 questions in. Perfect. And <laughs> he, asked, he asked about the confidence we have in the QB position. Uh, Rob, we kind of just mentioned it with that quote, and I just mentioned it myself. I, I'm confident. I like David Fales as well. I think he'll be a good backup to Ryan Tannehill. 
Rob Carruth also asks, and I'm going to throw this to you, House, because you are the running back guru. How will Frank Gore be used this season? Yeah, we just touched on it. We talked about the fantasy, you know, the outlook for the NFL, for the, our favorite football team. Uh, for me, I think there's a reason Dolphins brought him in there. I mean, I know he's the hometown guy. I know he wants to, you know, come down to Miami, maybe finish his career there. Uh, but he's been a productive running back. I mean, Indianapolis, he was their starter there, had a productive season. I think he came down here to be a, a legit number two. I mean, you know, we kind of saw it last season with Gase, the season before. I mean, he seems to ride that hot hand. I, I don't think this year will be any different, though I do think it's Kenyon Drake's job to lose. I think he's a starter. Uh, I don't think that'll change. But from a fantasy perspective, from just a overall what may Frank Gore do for the Dolphins, I think he's going to get a lot of those goal line snaps. I think he's going to be one of those more productive veterans. And, yeah, I mean, you see it. You hear the guys talk about him, gush about the kind of veteran that he is, the way he goes out there each and every day and performs and the, the way he takes care of his body. I think Frank Gore is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to take, uh, you know, maybe – you see Kenyon Drake maybe take, what, 65% of the snaps. Then you got uh, Frank Gore with 25, and then you got Kalen Balaj and some of those other guys, you know, filling in there a little bit. So I think uh, Frank Gore, he didn't come down here just to retire Miami, and I do expect things from him, uh, especially in the red zone from the, the veteran running back. All right, and kind of leading up after that question, how's I'm going to throw this one again to you from Alan Ganging at Pacific Fin Fan One. He said, NFL Live put up a graph of one of their colleagues doing a piece on ranking teams based on the talent of the running back core and had Miami around 29 or lower. Uh, he doesn't have insider access to checkbooks, so he's not sh- totally sure of where they were ranked, but he wants to know where we rank the running back room. So how is this going to be thrown back to you for the running back position? Yeah, it was kind of baffling when I saw that. I think I left work and I saw him tag us in the tweet that that's freaking ridiculous to me i mean you got Kenyon drake who i mean he was what one if not the best running backs towards the end of the year in the last what six games when he got his opportunities frank Gore, who has held his own and been one of the more productive backs in the last decade and then you bring in kalen balaj who i mean you just hear scouts ran rave about his potential and what he could become so i mean uh, to see that three-headed monster, to, to sit there and think that they're, what, he said 29th, that's crazy to me. I think they're more up there in the, you know, top, uh, I want to say top 15, if not top 10. So, I mean, I see big things come from this running back group. I think uh, what we might have seen as a weakness in years prior, um, you know, before the the JHIs, the Kendricks, before those guys, I mean, you, you saw this running back unit never really got a step up, but uh, – uh, I think that's crazy to think that they'd be in the bottom three of the NFL. So uh, I think that's part of the reason ESPN's dying. I mean, no one really cares what ESPN has to say. And at the end of the day, I think it's the top 15, if not a top 10 unit, hands down. So, and another one from Pacific Fin Fan 1. Does Adam Gates keep eight or nine offensive linemen, and whom do they keep in your estimates? I know that's a loaded question there, so maybe just generalize it. Um, hmm. Well, it's what you really have to look at is how many offensive linemen can we take with us on game day? We're only taking 46 on game day. So that usually means seven offensive linemen for most teams. So what we're looking at is the starting lineup. We're looking at the swing tackle and then the interior Swiss army knife. And when you kind of look at this offensive line as a whole, you got Tunsil and James at at tackle. You have Jesse Davis and sitting at guard. You have Kilgore at, at, at center you have Sam Young at the swing tackle. So then it's really what happens between Ted Larson and Jake Brendel and 
Isaac Asiata. And that's an impossible question for me to answer at this point. And training camp this year is really going to help sort some of that stuff out. But uh, you would hope that Isaac Asiata being a, a recent draft pick and having a year of seasoning will be able to uh, kind of seize that opportunity there. But at the same time, it's alluring to have a veteran like Ted Larson, who's already played guard and center at the professional level to already have him. And then you have Jake Brindle who's showed some flashes and the reason that he's still on the roster. So uh, between those three, between those three guys, that's where it's really going to boil down to, but I would probably uh, air on the side of eight as opposed to nine. At Pillboard, Bob Nathan asks us, any UDFA undrafted free agents this year you think will make the team and see some time on the field? Uh, I don't think any will make the 53-man roster. I think some will obviously make the practice squad. You got guys like Buddy Howell from FAU, the running back, tackle David Steinmetz from Purdue, center Connor Hilland from William & Mary, defensive end Claudia Matthew from Notre Dame College of Ohio, Quincy Redmond, Fairmont State, Defensive tackle, Anthony Moten from Miami, Jamius Pittman from UCF. Maybe Moten does. I'm not totally sure, though. I don't think that he will. Uh, linebacker, Cason Collins, Mike McCray from Michigan. Cornerback, Jonathan Alston, Jalen Davis. You know, the Dolphins brass always say can never have enough cornerbacks. Lucas Gravel, long snapper, kicker, Greg Joseph. I don't think any of these guys make the 53. I think some do, of course, make the practice squad. But I think the Dolphins are happy with their depth and barring any injuries, uh, I don't think any of them make the final. Well, we we can't roster. we can't rule out an undrafted kicker or punter on this team, and this team is yeah. Pretty- but I th- I think the Dolphins are good with it. I think the Dolphins are good with who they have, Jason Sanders, and um, we'll and see. I I I I fully expect this to be an open competition. Jason Sanders was twenty five for thirty five in college, so I think they will ride the the hot horse, so to speak. I, I'd put my money on McCray or Pittman. That, that's why I'd ride my. Okay. Okay. I could see right. Pittman too. Yeah. All right. Another one from Pacific Fin Fan. Uh, how it's, do any of the drafted rookies not make the 53 man roster? If so, who? Damn. I'm digging deep here. I mean, as Sutton said it, that kicking competition, Sanders, that's, that's the guy I'm going to call out. Uh, I think if for some reason he doesn't win the starting job, obviously he'd be gone. So, he gone. Guy, he gone. That's the one guy I see that might not make the roster as far as drafted players. All right. Daniel S. asks us how much cap space will have Miami to carry over to 2019. How does that impact the current roster and potential free agents? Daniel, I honestly don't know. Uh, I uh, looked if, into that real quick before the yeah. show. So Okay. We, so what do you got? We only have six in cap space right now, but here, here's the thing. Kiko Alonso, Andre Branch, Brian Tannehill, Danny Amendola, Devontae Parker, Quinn, Robert Quinn, Kenny Stills, Josh Sitton, all those guys can be released for major dollars with minimal impact on the salary cap. And for most of them, it's zero impact. Then you can get rid of guys like Kilgore and Akeem Spence, guys that we just signed. We could get rid of them next year if they don't pan out. So there are a lot of people that we could get rid of, depending on how this season shakes out. And then really the only major decisions you have going into 2019 are Cam Wake and William Hayes, who are going to be up there in terms of age when it comes to defensive ends. And then you have Juwan James at right tackle. So 
Um, I, I think we're I think we're going to be okay. We always, you know, we talk about this all the time. Salary cap is mostly a a fan paranoia sort of thing than it is a man. We we can't sign this really amazing player because we accidentally signed Daniel Kilgore for too long. You know, things don't usually play out that way. So we'll we'll be able to make adjustments as we as we need to. All right. When you, when you listen ahead. to that list, though, like, doesn't that sound like, I mean, if, if this team doesn't perform well this year, I mean, that's that's a huge turnover right there. I mean, something just listed off a freaking almost seem like half the damn roster. I mean, you get rid of but half those of those are players. Guys. Those are players we still have under contract, though. We don't necessarily have to get rid of them. But if they don't perform the way that we want to this year, that's 10 players that are going to be playing quite a few snaps from what I can tell that if they don't perform, we can get rid of them and it's to the benefit of the team salary cap. So I don't see that as, yeah. I heard maybe three players on there that, you know, you'd say, okay, I'm going to protect these guys this year and next. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because if, if things don't work out, it's, I don't know, man. It seems like it's, yeah, there's plenty of wiggle room. Yeah. All right, Caruth, I'm going to rapid fire your questions right now. Would Keek will be better started moving back inside? Yes, but he's not going to. That is Raekwon McMillan's job. Caruth also asked, besides Fitzpatrick and Jacecki, which rookie are you most excited to see on the field? I'm going to see Kalen Balage. I think his running back skills are something to watch for, and I think he is going to do very well when he sees some action on the field. He also asks, what is our weakest unit right now? And I'm going to say... That's a tough question to ask. I can't say. Right now. Yeah, but I can't say right now until they start playing some preseason games. Uh, so I, I'm not ready to answer that question, Rob. And he also asks, what kind of season does it need to be to have Mike T relieved of duties? And if so, is Gay safe? Again, Rob, we'll get into that as we head into training camp. Now, there's another podcast out there called Fourth and Inches. You guys may have heard of it. It's kind of raunchy. Um, Obviously, under the SB Nation umbrella, we can't get into all the things they talk about there, but they are pretty funny. Uh, if you have not watched or listened to their show, you may want to check it out just to experience it. I know House and Sutton, you went on it a few weeks ago. You guys had a great time. You were able to like kind of let loose and say things. It's like when your parents don't let you do anything, and you finally get away from your parents, and you just break out in rebellion. And that's what you both kind of did when you were away from dad, which is me. So... Uh, <laughs> Is yeah, that how you want to spin it? Okay. And then yeah. we admitted they like terribly like named the episode and everything. So like it had very little people actually listen to it. So <laughs> I know Barrow came out and he's like, Yeah, I pretty much I, I screwed the pooch there and I'm sorry guys, but Yeah. Uh, but I mean we'll we work. had a chance to vent. We we did. Yeah, right. we still have fun. It was fun. So uh one of their co-hosts, Viral Delfino at Dolphins Rule, all asked a question. And I'm going to tone it down a little bit for SB Nation filters. And it's it's a crazy question. It's not suitable for work, so lower your speakers if you're listening to it at work. But would you rather, he asks, uh, <laughs> kiss your fellow co-host for 12 seconds or relieve yourself on the 50-yard line during this year's Super Bowl halftime show? Spotlights. Camera close-ups on your face, instant replay. Uh, yeah. So, how Sutton, what do you say? I mean, That's we could easily just get drunk and pretend it didn't happen. So, I'm going for the for the 12 second 
make out sessions <laughs> what what is it like uh oh god no yeah no 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 Oh yes, absolutely. I'm going with Sutton too. I mean, uh, yeah. I'd rather do that than have that zipline camera like zoom in on my butt while I'm trying to take a dump <laughs> on the line. So, I mean, you guys are both cool dudes. I mean, we do this podcast every week, so for 12 seconds, I mean, let's just get hammered and and do that because I'm not trying to have one of those those poops that like just won't come out. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That's what I was gonna say. How how is notoriously insecure about yeah. his dingleberries. You know, it's just something that he's not able to real. do. It's not just to get it all the way through. So oh I, I, I just I, I just couldn't I couldn't see the facial grimaces of him. Yeah, and uh, I, I, man, I just I I couldn't do it. Poor guy. No, let's just make yeah. out and get it over with. Too many uh-huh. cameras and fear poops. I mean. You have those fear poops, but when you're sitting there on the 50 yard line with millions of people watching, that's a whole different game. So, just, just you never know what can be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I do. But I think I'm going to go with what you guys said. Yeah, I so. just say I'm, I'm pretty hurt if you don't. Cause, yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys are. You cool want people guys. to see her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guys, yeah. He basically be say we're ugly and that we yeah. like we're not kissable, and yeah. I, I would be, sh- I'd be pretty sh- offended by that. And he yeah. shows bear butt in front of millions of people drunk on bears, and just like, <laughs> all right, not good. Any last thoughts, House and Sutton, before we wrap up the show? Nah, really looking forward to the relaunch, and really looking forward to connecting with some other podcasts out there. And just bringing the best possible content that we can. Hope everyone had a good 4th of July. Everyone still has their fingers intact. And yeah, go Dolphins. <laughs> we will be off next week, the week of July 9th. So no show next week. This is our last show before we come back at you with the official relaunch. It's going to be better and bigger than ever. Same co host same channel, different format, different listening pleasures. For certain the creepy soccer dad and house MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Karis Fisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor in chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.